Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Space Junk. My name is Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space, and today we are going to be talking about alternative career options in astronomy. We're going to kind of pick up a little bit where we left off with our last podcast with Dr. Pamela Gay, where we sort of introduced this idea of getting a job in astronomy does it involve getting necessarily getting a PhD or not? Or are there other things that you can do to work in this amazing uh, field of astronomy? And so we're going to talk about that today with our guest. Her name is uh, Kat Machen, and she is also, and she is out a, an astronomy artist among a great an entrepreneur, maybe I should call her. And uh, so, so welcome, Kat. Kat but, and I also want to welcome my co-host, Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes. Dustin, are you out there? Yeah, thanks, Tony. This is uh, this is super exciting. Kat is, um, has become a very close friend, and it's still one of those things, every time I talk to her, it's uh, I kind of like fanboy out a little bit. I'm a huge fan of her work. It's absolutely incredible and so excited to talk about not just the paintings, and uh, some of the work that, I mean, honestly, looks more realistic than even the photos that I or other, you know, astrophotographers are taking, just taking it to an entirely new level. But uh, more importantly, the, you know, the other, the career path that she's chosen that I find so interesting. And we've talked a lot about it, and I'm excited to share that with everyone. So, Kat, welcome from Australia. Wow, good day, mate. Um, thank oh, you you, so oh, you're in Australia. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's super early in the morning. I got up at five and I, I actually, yeah, it's, I'm so excited to be talking to you guys and just thank you for all the compliments. So you can keep those coming if you want. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you, how long have you been faking that accent? You're actually from Alabama, right? No, no. I'm from uh, England. I was born in, <laughs> um, I was born, yeah, I was born in the UK. And I've been here for since 2011, seven years. Good. That's amazing. Wow. wow. So you didn't have to change it too much then, just slightly, right, when you got to Australia? It's really strange. It, when, I, when I get drunk, I get really English. But then other, like, other times I'm like, I, I come out. All, all my friends at home think I sound really Australian now. But then all, all my Aussie friends think I, I sound really English. So oh, I, I don't really fit in anywhere. But that's cool, man. <laughs> Well, that's kind of what's weird about about. That, what, what's weird about that is that I, I married uh, somebody from England, and there's no such thing, I've learned, as an English accent, because she is from the Northeast. She's from Newcastle, so she's a Geordie, and her accent Why, is I? completely different. <laughs> yes, exactly. She's like, <laughs> oh, I so love she, it. You know what I'm talking about. She's completely different when she sounds as someone from, say, London or Bristol or Brighton or somewhere like that. They all uh, have different accents. And actually, my like even like really close, like within 10 miles um, of where someone lives, you can literally pinpoint the exact village that they're from based on their accent. It's so bizarre, um, especially with the older generation, not so much the, the younger generation. We sort of get, get around a little bit more. But yeah, because people used to um, like were born, grow, live, die in the same place and would never sort of 
escape from their own villages. So the local dialects are super strong. And some of them, you just have no... Am I allowed to swear? But anyway, you have no Yeah, clue. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no clue what they're saying. You're like, you got to talk slower for me, guys. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know my poor Jordy wife. She has the same problem. They can't understand a thing she's saying. And, and uh, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon because Americans don't get that, that there's no such thing as a just a flat English accent. American thinks so, you know, oh, you're from mm. England. But right. not you got to be from the Northeast or the Northwest or the South. And it's very, very different. It's oh, funny yeah. how that works, though, because, you know, I, I grew up. So my, my childhood years were in New Orleans. And then I moved to Alabama and spent, you know, all of high school, all of my first four years of college. It was all in Alabama. And somehow the entire time I was there, I never fit in. Like people were always, oh, you're a northerner. You don't you don't sound like us, you know. And so it's just it's strange how accents, I don't know how they work and they don't they don't really stick. For certain people, you know, I don't know how I escaped without it. Yeah, I think Americans uh, have fewer accents now because we move around a lot more. That's my theory, because as Kat said, you know, when you're in England and you're born in Sunderland, you tend to stay in Sunderland, right? But yeah, uh, I mean, I think times are changing. I think it was really quite an I mean, it's just the invent of modern, like, you know, transportation and that kind of stuff, I guess, as well. But uh I, I I like just I know we don't want to carry on this subject, but I love how Georgie's sound happy all the time. And I went out, I used to DJ and I went out and um I DJ'd up in Newcastle and they were they were having this big brawl, but everyone sounded like really happy and it was the most confusing thing ever. It's like, guys, are you fighting? Are you what what? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a contradiction because you're right. They all they and they are quite friendly, but they will get into a fight in a bar in no time. And so it's it is an interesting <laughs> contradiction. Okay, well, I let's let's transition into our topic for today because I think a lot of our listeners, certainly over the years as I've been doing science outreach on YouTube and in various places, there is an intense interest in people for getting a job uh, in astronomy. And uh, I've been giving a lot of advice over the years about whether you should get a PhD or not, because a PhD will let you become an astronomer with a capital A, uh, and you can do all kinds of things that way. But that's not the only way you can get involved in this science. I did it as a software engineer, and I I programmed things uh, for 30 years. And so that was my career. Very, very fun, but I did not have a PhD. And so you have a similar story to tell, don't you, Kat? Yeah, you know, I mean, I actually studied engineering at university. I did mechanical, but um, I never actually finished my degree because I got pulled into the video games industry. And I was like, heck, this is whole reason me going to university was to get a good job and I've just had one offered so I was like I'm 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 gonna head like head over there and I spent 10 years in the video games industry um but I was deeply passionate about space and art as well but I just never I I sort of had that you know get a real job um that I was sort of maybe told a few times as a kid so I just never thought it was like even an option and man you know I just think Having a job where you do what you love every day is you, you just have no idea. I know there's probably a lot of people that listen to podcasts when they're on their commute to work. And especially if you're something that's a little soul destroying, you just you think, wow, this is this is it for me. Um, but it's really not like you can totally get a job and, and make money doing something you're super, super passionate about. And I'm just I'm all about that. I think that um, the issue is people don't really know where to start. You know, the thing is, you don't like I just started by doing a little bit on a Saturday 
every week and after eight months you know that's when I had my first big breakthrough with my kickstarter it only took eight months of like Saturdays and I was just doing it as like a side hobby um because I'd just left my job right and I was doing I'd started another business um but yeah I just think that starting with a side hustle is just like the best place to best place best place to be I love that you call it soul destroying. I mean, I've had a lot of jobs that I absolutely hated, um, you know, just yeah. just jobs where I would go there and all I would do the entire time I was there is just watch the clock, waiting for it to to say, hey, I can go home now and live the life that, you know, I want to, even if it's just a brief respite from just being at this place. And uh, I did that for, I mean, you know, 12 years and- mm hated it. I hated every minute of it. And so finally, I mean, I knew I was, I was destined to do my own thing. I had to, I didn't even feel like I had a choice, you know? And I think that's something that all three of us can probably speak on because you don't just land here. You don't land in the, I'm going to go out on a ledge and just try to make something work. You know, you really have to either love that process or hate the process of just the nine to five or just doing something that you're not passionate about. It has to be one or the other, right? You've oh, got to be yes. running towards something aggressively or running away from something. You know, and what's interesting about that is that just before I started painting space, I had massive nervous breakdown. In fact, it's funny because I always recommend, I say to everybody, like having a nervous breakdown is the best thing that ever happened to me. And like everyone should have at least one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know? Um, because it was like a hard reset because at that point, and just to give you a bit of background, I said I was in the video games industry and I'd, I'd done that for 10 years because I went in there cause I wanted to do something creative and cool. Um, but I thought well, there's no money in art or space or anything like that because, you know, it, it wasn't something that I had available to me. So I went into video games thinking, All right, this is, this, this is like kind of what I want, but after a, I went in as a technical artist and I did, um, but I refused to call myself an artist. It's so interesting because I, um, I had in my mind, I wanted to be a success and that all artists were failures. So, so interesting. So I used to call myself a technical creative, which is such a wanky term, <laughs> but, and, um, I was working by the time I'd finished. Cause I started with this, just doing my own little art stuff, but that only lasted for maybe a year and a half. And then I was starting to manage people. Right. And I managed more and more people. I started with a small team and a department. Then, you know, by the time I finished, I was managing 600 people across six studios worldwide. And we had million dollar, multi-million dollar budgets and it was super stressful. And I worked for 16 hours a day, seven days a week. And after three months of that, I just, I was at a breaking point because I'd literally come home and like, I'd go to sleep. I get up, have a shower or sometimes didn't cause I didn't have enough time. And then I'd go back to work. <laughs> like I did that nonstop. And it was like, it ruins, a, it, you know, it ruined my relationship with my husband. Actually, he wasn't my husband at that time, but he was just my, um, my fiance. But you know, we would like pass each other in the kitchen and my husband would be like, Hey, you live here too. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here? Um, it was, it was so strange, you know, and he'd, he'd get up, I, I'd be on uh, just some, and I got to this point where I was like, wow. Okay. So I can't, you know, when I was being a creative, um, I thought, well, I'm not really super happy doing what I'm doing. So maybe I need to be at the top, right? And when I'm at the top, I'll be happy. But then I got to the top and then I was like, still not happy, guys. 
I'm still not doing my life's purpose, which obviously I'm doing now. Um, and then I was, but that, at that point I was like, wow, I've got no direction. I, you know, bef before when I was at the bottom and I wasn't happy, at least I knew where I wanted to go. Now I'm, I've got there. I'm like, shit, this is still not right. And now I was like, I, I literally can't go back into another job in the games industry because I'm going to be, I'm going to be slated as a executive producer or higher project lead. And I can't, I can't hack that because I don't, I don't want to live in a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to live in this kind of daily incredible amounts of stress and anxiety I had to deal with. Everything was on fire and I was just having to like bring everything together, ready to launch. So <laughs> it was, um, it was such an amazing time though, because after that break, I was just like, it was, it was actually at this time, right? It was New Year's resolutions time. And I, I watched this amazing um, TED talk called uh, by Patty Jabrowski and it's called Draw Your Future. And I literally drew a little picture of me. Um, well, I was going to draw a picture of me having an exhibition because I, th I, I thought as a little kid, I thought that would be really cool. But instead, like I drew a picture of me, like painting a picture of space. And I, I thought, because I thought, well, you know, I should probably like learn how to paint first. Um, <laughs> you know, like slow down a bit, an exhibition, you don't actually know how to paint yet. <laughs> right. And then that was me. And then I, uh, that was the point that changed everything. So, you know, definitely if you're having a tough time right now, it's just really about recognizing that this is the point for change. Let me interject something here because I know that most of, uh, most of the listeners that we have are going to know exactly who you are already because you've pretty much broken the internet with um, <laughs> your paintings and the different – I mean, I think even Discovery's done like a documentary and stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's blown up so quickly. I mean, it's the ultimate success story of someone chasing a dream that they really – I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but have no reason – to think like, oh yeah, this will absolutely work. You had no experience oh. in the art realm. I had no you know? idea what, what I, I didn't even know how to paint. This is the thing. Like, yeah. I, I was creative, but I'd not picked up a, I'd not even picked up a pencil to do a sketch in eight years. Um, like, yeah, I was, it was just a passion project. It was literally nothing else except like believing in yourself and just saying, you know what, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm just going to do it. Right. You, you and, know what uh, happened? Like that during that first one. I thought I was actually getting married. So I'd spent eight years now out of the video, uh, eight months out of the video game industry. So I was not earning a high executive salary for eight months and I was getting married. So I was like really broke and someone had suggested doing this exhibition. And at this point I was like, you know, shit, I've got nothing to lose. Why not? Well, I, I wanted to write that down as my new year's resolution anyway. Right. So I was like, I'll just go ahead and do it. So I thought, you know what? I just want to hire. I just want to like make $4,000 and I'll hire a room in Sydney. We'll fill it full of space paintings. We'll talk about space and get drunk. And that was literally. <laughs> that, that was what, the goal. That was the dream, man. I was uh, like, if I can oh get my all my God. friends together, we can just talk about space shit. I'll bring in some, we'll, we'll get some guest lectures about, you know, about space yeah. and we'll just, just get a bit fucked up and talk about space. And I was like, that would be right. make me super happy. So then I was like, well, how am I going to do it? And then I got the idea of making a Kickstarter project, right? So I thought, this is cool, man. Uh, so I set my little target to be $4,000. And it's funny because like before I, 
before I actually clicked submit to launch that project, I was actually physically sick. I I, I went into the toilet and I vomited so bad because I thought, you know what, I've never sold an artwork. I didn't even think my artwork's particularly that good either. You know, they were they were okay. They weren't. You know, I'd only been painting for eight months at that point. Um, and but I thought, you know what, fuck it. So, I mean, it's only four thousand dollars. It'll be okay. So I I I press submit and then I think we hit four thousand dollars in eight hours and in 31 days we made over seventy thousand dollars and I was 70 70 and it was weird because like, I went I was only after four and in, yeah. I live in a I live in a cul-de-sac right there's so you all the neighbors are pretty close-knit and I know you go out and empty your empty your trash right and my, my neighbors would be like where's it gonna because everyone was following it in the street and we were having bets in the street and they were like oh it's gonna finish at 20k no it's gonna finish at 30k and then like 50 and then 60 and then when it hits 70 i was like fuck i have like a I, this is a this is my job now yeah I, exactly I, for for eight months i felt like i was in free fall i left something that I, I spent a decade building my video games career and then now for, could you uh, could, for those who who aren't familiar with this can you tell us what the what the what the kickstarting uh, what the kickstarter project was so kickstarter the kickstarter was called beautifully nerdy deep space art i think the first one was and um i was just basically selling prints of of art prints of my deep space paintings so like nebulas and galaxies and that kind of stuff the ones you had um, already done the ones i'd already done i'd already painted um, and then I sold a few of those originals and then I had some slots for commissioned pieces as well. Um, so people where they just buy a set size of canvas and we work together and make something. So, and I paint their specific vision of space, whatever that might be. So they were commissioning you via Kickstarter to do yeah. some art just for them. That's right. Yeah. So that, and that was only a few of them, the higher tier rewards. And then um, we had like different size prints that you could purchase, but this is realistically, this is a, a model that anybody, whether you're a painter or an astrophotographer could literally use right now to, um, generate income. And I am surprised that more people aren't doing this. And I really want to urge people to consider it. Actually, they only run for 30 days. It's a little bit like a GoFundMe campaign. If anyone's familiar with the, how those work, but instead of just giving money, people get a product in return for whatever their donation is. Um, but yeah, that really blew my mind. I was like, shit. Cause that, that, that for me was an impossibility. The fact that anyone could make money from space art was just, you know I mean, like that was wild, wild. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, so obviously it was a success, but from there it's just, I mean, it's absolutely blown up. Like that was just the beginning, right? I mean, you didn't, uh, you didn't stop. Like you didn't take the 70 and then just stop. Oh, look, I thought that was a super fluke. And I actually, after I finished that campaign, we were starting to get low on funds because it was, it was like almost a year after earning that. Right. So that was almost like a year's salary gone. Um, so I actually started working as a waitress and, um, serving Indian food. I, I really stunk like curry. Um, because we thought it was a fluke, but then I thought, you know, it went so well and I had done a lot of commissions for the, that previous project. So all those commissions I'd done for that first project, I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'll get those scanned and I'll put those into the, another project, right? We'll give it, a, give it a go. But this time, obviously I've got a bit more of an, like a better idea. And I got a, a more of a following at that point as well. So I thought, you know, was just do it again. And, but this time I had developed um, with a friend 
um, Brenton, we developed a, a new method for printing, um, how to print with glow in the dark. And as far as I'm aware, we're the only people that can do that world, uh, worldwide um, with an actual proper 3D um, glow in the dark printer. Um, so we developed this new printing method because I, for me, I was like, there's only one thing really better than a picture of space is a glow in the dark picture of space. <laughs> right, right. Right. Because actually it's funny because the experience of seeing stars that glow when you're in a dark environment is that same magical feeling as when you go out on a really clear night and you see the full Milky Way galaxy with no light pollution. And it's just, it's, it's intense. Um, so I want to recreate that because at this point I started to realize that I now was living my life's purpose. Right. And my life's purpose is to get people to contemplate the biggest questions in the universe by connecting them with the stars. Right. And the stars aren't really available to people anymore. And I know that sounds like weird and some people be like, well, you know, surely they are, but you know, the truth is that like 90, I think actually in America, um, 98% and in the rest and, and in Europe and the rest of the world, I think it's 83% of people live in light polluted areas. Like you can see maybe one or two stars, but you cannot see the full array of them. Right. That's super sad. But anyway, so I, I put all these into a new campaign and I thought, well, 70 was like, obviously like a massive, crazy, crazy fluke. Um, but we'll aim for 12. And I was like, that seems pretty reasonable for a campaign. But then we ended up making something like $289,000 the second year. And I was like, holy shit, this is really a thing. Like this wasn't- $289,000 in a campaign or just across the work itself? No, no. In that one campaign, $289,000. This is Australian, sorry. So it would probably be a little bit less. And then an extra $75,000 of add-ons added on top. So it was like, I don't know, I'll work that in the US, but- it was just crazy. Anyway, like this is more money than I'd ever made in my whole life uh, in a year. And I'd just done it doing something I was super passionate about. And I was like, right. wow, this is mad. And Kickstarter, I'm on their website right now. Kickstarter says that you had the highest funded Australian art campaign of all time. That's correct. Yeah. Which is wow. just mad. I just... It's probably not as as much competition as something like the US, but still for me that is. So it works out overall. It works out to like a quarter of a million dollars US in that one year, right. and the fact that anyone can do that doing something they just super like are really passionate about and love is just like like. And also wow. where that where that took me is mad. Yeah. Well, you did this for the um, the CFO of SpaceX, right? Isn't she's the CFO, Gwen Shotwell? Right. Uh, she's the chief operating officer. Yeah, so oh, okay. I decided I'd just surprise them. So each year, so I was like, first year I funded this art exhibition. The second year I was like, you know what, I'm going to fund something really cool. Um, my first year's New Year's resolution was to start painting. And my second year's New Year's resolution was to paint big. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to do this big painting. I'd ordered this huge canvas in that's four meters by two meters, which is a uh, 13 meter a uh, 13 feet by six and a half feet so this is a huge oil painting um and i thought well i just want to surprise the guys at, at spacex right um because i have such huge admiration for all the work that they're doing yeah so i was like well i'm gonna make well, what this did you paint for him tell us what you painted 
So I, I painted a, a spiral galaxy called NGC 3190. God, I hope I've got that wrong right, or 3160. But I might have to check. Anyway, it was um, mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a beautiful uh, a spiral galaxy that was uh, originally captured by William Herschel. Um, uh, it just and, and actually it became quite famous because it was uh, a, a wallpaper that Apple used for their one of their operating systems. I can't remember which one, but so it was, it was quite well known, but people didn't even realize that they thought it was all computer generated and they had actually no idea. It was a real, real spiral galaxy and it was breathtaking. And I thought, well, I'm going to surprise them by painting this for them just because I want to say thank you to their engineers. And I just thought it might be something nice to do. Um, so, yeah, so part of the campaign funds went to transport that painting over to SpaceX and that was just that was an incredible journey yeah it was so cool what yeah I got you... to see that one when it was here it was absolutely incredible just huge just huge because I don't know I just think space is better when it's big <laughs> I agree with you <laughs> can you give us some sense I mean it sounds like okay so you you had painted this of, uh, of a specific galaxy so it sounds like your artwork your space art is scientifically or at least uh, re it's based on real galaxies, real uh, data. Is, can you give us a sense of how, what your process is like for making a painting? How do you start a new work of art? Okay, so I have two different styles. I paint firstly from imagination, but I also paint from very specific images. So um, I do a series where I collect as many different, and, and it's actually changed now that I'm working uh, with Dustin and have access to uh, telescopes that are really amazing. Um, but I, I used to collect a load of different images of the same galaxies. I would align them and edit them to bring them into, uh, to create my own sort of version of that galaxy that would be, you know, changing certain things like reducing how many stars were in there, for instance, or, or dropping them into the background and changing some of the, the intensities of, of certain areas to really bring out and enhance the beauty of, of whatever real galaxy there was. Um, and those are the things that I would then go and paint. So I would start off by printing. I would create, so I'd create everything digitally first so that I, ha I have like a template of what I want to produce. And then I would print it on a very, very advanced printer so that I have a, a small, a, um, I don't know what size it would be, but we have like A3. So, you know, it's small, a small version of this that I can hold while I'm painting so that I've got a reference to use. And then it was just a really, um, it's really slow process of just applying, starting from very, very background layers. So doing like background overarching glows and then adding in more detail as they come into the foreground, but also interacting different paints. I used to make, I, I hand grind a lot, of, a lot of my own paints and I also add special glow in the dark pigments to them. So I, I, I produce these, these paints that, um, in the same way that the old masters did with just literally hand grinding pigments together um, in linseed oil, but then um, using that as a, a medium to actually apply to the canvas. Hopefully that, does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. yeah what okay. do you, what sort of pigments glow in the dark? Um, so we use phosphorescent pigments. Um, okay. And what's interesting about them is that you can get them in different colors. They all have different intensities, like a green, yellow, which is the most common is the brightest and that's probably why it's the most common but then um uh we have i have different 
grit and cell sizes. So they're actually whole um, cell clusters. Um, so in the actual singular structure of, of a particle, it has like reflector plates in it. It has areas in which it absorbs. So, And the smaller the crystals get ground down, the lower the glow intensity is. So you can create drop-offs by using different um, different um, like particle sizes effectively. Now these are your uh, paintings that you're that you're doing. Can what do you you said earlier in the podcast you were doing something with a 3D printer? That's right. Can you describe so, a little bit more about what what that is, what you're doing there. So when we actually so when I print a like when I produce a print of my artwork, I wanted it to look as close to the original pieces that could ever be created. So I actually use a process where we lay layer down, we put layers and layers of of uh, resin um, onto the paper, and it actually builds up um, effectively a three D relief of where all my paintbrush strokes are and and all of those like interesting textural details. And then we pr- then I also print then the color over the top so that when you when you see the piece, it for all intents purposes it looks like a real painting. It's amazing. So the first goes the resin to mimic the 3d effect of what you've done on the canvas from your Mm. brush and from the paints and then you add a layer of color over that yes so the final to to reproduce the painting absolutely i mean it's it's super cool and actually what was interesting is that um i had someone message me and say you know i'm blind and I have never been able to see a nebula before. And this is the first time I have been able to experience one. And I was just like, holy shit, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, well, I'll just tell you a quick story. My my colleague from the Space Telescope Science Institute, Carol Christian, has a 3D printer where they were doing the same thing minus the colors on top for that exact audience. They were they were printing Hubble images of uh, you know, barred galaxies, barred spirals or, you know, spiral galaxies or nebulae. And then making those available to vision impaired uh, students, so they could get a sense of what these uh, what these objects were in space. And Carol, being an astronomer, would would give a little lecture on what each one was that they were able to do. So that's a thing, and it's it's really I think amazing. It's it, it's opened up a, an entirely new audience for a, what's usually a visual medium. So that's really incredible that you're also doing that. I'm very I'm very happy to hear that. Are the 3D prints of your artwork are they it sound are they what's it how does it compare in terms of expense because 3D printing used to be expensive is it not so anymore or does it cost more to print them than it does for you to make them uh, it's what, very what expensive like? to print actually uh, it is still very expensive and it's but the the main expense is in speed every print takes about an hour to produce mm-hmm. um so, but this coming year, and and this coming year, I'm looking at at purchasing machinery that will produce them in something like twenty seconds. So it means I can have oh, a much wow. higher up. Yeah, because my main issue is just um, as physical print time. Like, there's a lot of print time that's required to produce this whole project. But yeah, it, it is expensive. But the most expensive thing really is all of my prints are effectively high quality archival grade art prints and they're printed on a hundred percent uh cotton substrate because it contains no um bleaching 
So normally when you get paper uh, and you print on paper, there's uh, a, like a whitening or bleaching agent because wood pulp is never pure white. Um, whereas with cotton, it's already it's already white, so they don't need to add all of those bleaching agents. Um, but just a single roll of the paper is close to a thousand dollars. It's super expensive. Um, but I wanted people to be able to have the art collecting experience rather than just sort of put it out on really cheap substrates and really cheap materials. I really made the effort to go that extra level with all the quality. Okay. Well, let me ask, you also said earlier that you're, you're, you've come across this business model for yourself by using Kickstarter and being extremely pleasantly surprised by the, by the response. But you also said that you couldn't believe that more people weren't doing this for things like astrophotography. Now, Dustin, you are at one of the, one of the best out that there are, uh, is there a market for this kind of thing for astrophotos as well? You know, when she said that, uh, I f- all I wanted to say was, I feel like I've been screaming that at everyone for so long <laughs> because it's true. I mean, it really is true. And obviously, Kat, you take it to an entirely different level with your artwork. I mean, her artwork work looks like an astrophoto. Um, but there's really, you know, there are a handful of people um, that come to mind when I think of people that are really pushing the boundaries of astrophotography and trying to make it accessible for, uh, you know, for people, for their homes. And there are so many people that are space interested. And where do you ever go that you see this available commercially? Where do you ever go and see astrophotos or anything available? And if it's not available, then nobody's making money on it. People aren't, you know, making careers out of it. And it's not really happening, but it's completely wide open. The same thing can and should be done by anyone that has an interest in astrophotography because it's exactly the same thing that Kat experienced. You don't have to be the best out there. You really don't. You just have to be someone that can share an experience and give somebody that and, you know, that excitement which is, I think is exactly what people get with your paintings. It's, mm. you know, it's, it's not that they're like painters that want to talk about the, the process and, and all of the things they enjoy your artwork because it moves them. And I see astro photos all day long on Instagram and Facebook from people who would not call themselves great astrophotographers, but that's only because they're thinking of things like Hubble or comparing themselves to something else like that. But when you take the daily experience for 99.9% of the population, and you put these photos of the moon or of a nebula or galaxy in front of them, it is absolutely moving. You know, it's a brand new perspective for people. And I think if made available, it would be successful. But can you monetize that, Dustin, and I and Kat as well? Uh, because I could go online on Instagram and, and see a lot of really amazing things absolutely free. What In what way could they be monetized? Yeah, so I can tell you this. Um, I I haven't pursued it because of my position here uh, with the company, but I've had a lot of people. So I did one run of prints. I, I opened it up um, just on Instagram and just put a message out there because I was getting a lot of people just direct messaging me, you know, kind of behind the scenes saying, hey, I'd really like a print of these three images. And so I kind of let those store up for a while because I really had no interest. You know, my whole thing on Instagram is I just want to, raise awareness for space and just kind of give it away. But I told people, you know, if you want to get some prints, that's fine. I'll make one run. I just want to see who all wants prints. And I put that out there and it ended up being, I mean, they had to ship them in crates. It was a lot of prints and they were gone in like a day. 
you know, so I know that people want these things and it could absolutely be a business for people wanting to do it. I just, I have really no interest in doing that. Um, you know, just because I feel like it's kind of, you know, then I, I, I get into an interesting position with, you know, well, what's being used and is it fair to manufacturers? And, you know, I can't really walk that line. So I try to be fair to everyone, but I don't understand really why other people aren't doing it. And I can tell you the, the manufacturers themselves and camera companies and a lot of these companies have contacted me just saying like, hey, you know, we'll pay you to come do a talk and it's good money. I mean, they'll pay five, 10 grand to come talk and just do these things like, Hey, let's talk about astrophotography and how to do it. And, you know, if you consider careers, like, like what Kat was saying, you know, being in the video game industry or whatever, there aren't many jobs you go to that are going to pay you five grand for the day or for a few hours to come do something like that. But, you know, if you have something like these passion projects, you can absolutely make a career out of it and do something that you want to do. And you can go all in on, right. It's just, the difference is betting on yourself and being willing to take that leap. And and also just creating something that you would use yourself. Like, um, right. you know, the amount of people that talk to me and say, you know, like, cause he, here's the thing, right. For people who are fascinated about the universe, you can't find artwork that inspires them. Your product, you know, can open up the universe to somebody. And right. instead of a boring bowl of fruit, no offense to still life, pictures right it's something you can have on your wall that will inspire you daily now if that doesn't fire you up I don't know what does right because the stars aren't available to everyone so you could literally make the stars available and you don't have to just do prints right and I was saying earlier right I was I had a dream last night about helping people make money from space because I believe that you should do what you love right and if you can make a living it what's the saying if you do what you love you never work a day in your life but yeah right follow your passions follow your dreams I'm a massive believer in that but you know merchandise right so make mouse mats put it on you know when you take a photo and you spend all that time processing and producing something beautiful or painting or sketching or whatever it is you know um you can create any number of products. You can create, you know, apparel, you can create backpacks, you can create, you know, even wraps for cars. Like the, like there is almost infinite amounts of iterations of things that you could produce that people would want. Like, you know what I mean? Like everyone wants to have a bit of space around them. I, I love it. And, and the thing that shocks me is right. You go into all the major stores that sell art. When is the last time you saw some Astro art there? And yet there are millions of us that, you know, NASA's Instagram page is one of the, in the top 20 in the world, right? So right, right. people love space, but they don't have access to getting beautiful images on their walls. So, you know, I, I'm just like, I don't want to shake people up because, do you know what I mean? People, people are interested. And even if you don't feel perfect, I sure as heck didn't when I started, I just wanted to do something that would help people connect to space, right? And if that's your intention, you're going to be a massive success. Well, it's exactly the same. I mean, Tony, you can speak to this as well. It's your experience. I mean, you didn't any more than we did have any reason to believe that just putting information out there would would draw so much attention. But you've done single videos that have had hundreds of thousands of views. Am I wrong? No, that's, yeah, that's, uh, well, millions, actually. And so the... 
yeah, I did. <laughs> that was back when YouTube first started. I couldn't believe my only real talent was being able to put together things that already existed and then writing scripts, you know, uh, visuals and animations that already existed and then writing scripts around them and then making short videos on them. And yeah, it grew to a career, a full-time career. It took a long time, uh, but right. I finally got there. And I would like to just my, uh, remind people to sort of back up what Kat and Dustin have just said is we've talked about NASA before. And the reason I, I'd like to bring this up is that a lot of people aren't aware that everything NASA produces and, and puts out into the world is free and in the public domain. Uh, that is a requirement for their mission because everything they do is, is funded by taxpayers. So every single Hubble Space Telescope image is you are free to not only download it in very high resolutions, but do anything you want with it. And so there are, and there is a small group of people I've noticed who can make Hubble t-shirts and, and things like that and, and are selling them. But that market, I think, is wide open as well. So even if you are more of a business person and you have entrepreneurial skills, but not necessarily artistic ones, there are still ways to do what Kat and Dustin do with their skills in creating beautiful space images that are out there and mm. making some money on it. That's something you can do as well. I've seen it done. Well, and if you if you think about this for a second, for every idea, and we can take astronomy just because that's the realm we all live in, but for every idea, there are a thousand peripherals that are avenues to make a career. And if you look at ours, like the thing that brings all three of us together is clearly astronomy, the night sky, right? That would be the core of what we're all doing. But we all do very different things with it. My job is to make it accessible. That is, that is the core of what OPT is. It's providing equipment and expertise and even observatories to use and all of these things. It's the reason we are here is to find a way to make all of that accessible to people. For Tony, your job is to educate and to make it accessible in a way that people can understand it. Yeah, make and, it understandable. Uh, yeah. Right, make it understandable, exactly. And then Kat, I mean, you're taking it and making an, art, an artistic expression so that people can feel it. Right. And we've all found different ways to take the same thing and give people, you know, a different experience with it. And every one of those. And I think astrophotography is another one of those that people should explore and can explore. But I, I think even from that, you're going to find more peripherals. Right. If you just took astrophotography, now there's the tutorial option. There's the processing option. There's all of these. There's a million different avenues. And people have so many reasons. Everybody's been told, you know, at least in this culture, you're told because I know I experienced this, that the nine to five is the route because it's guaranteed you're going to you're going to, you know, have this career. It's going to provide you all the things, the life path that is best for you. And I just don't think that it's true for everyone. I think you know, that, you know, I, we end I up buying our own bullshit sometimes. Can I add to that, actually? Sorry to interrupt, but Jim Carrey said an amazing quote. He said, you can fail at what you don't love, so you might as well try and fail at what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And there's there's no such thing as security, right? It's an illusion. And I think that if you really embrace that idea, then betting on yourself is about the best bet you can take. 
Mm. Yeah, and I just an idea that I was gonna pitch to you later, Dustin, and I'll pitch it to you as well, Cat. But I want here's what I want to do going into 2019, and this is another money making idea in astronomy, is the field of online courses, and I want to make an online Ooh. astrophotography course with Dustin. I was gonna pitch this in January, and I all you know I think that we could do one together also, Cat in. Uh, in in producing art, so yeah. if you guys are interested, we I'd be happy to produce the course with content that you help me provide. But I think that would be another option for anybody out there who has a skill that they've developed behind the telescope or behind the eyepiece. Then you could also share that with others in online courses, and that's another way to make money. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm the easiest person in the world to get to say yes. So you, you know, I'm in. <laughs> I put him on the spot on the podcast, yeah. folks. Yeah. So, you know, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Say no? Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to come yeah. off as a right jerk. He's like, oh, no. No, I, I hate that. I hate that. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And also, you know, even if it's just the business, right? If you're good at business, right? Um, and that's what you do. It's day to day. You're not creative. You're not artistic. You know, there are things like, um, oh, what's it called? When when you can refer a sale. Um, so, um, God, the word has just escaped me. But, you know, even the affiliate, the affiliate, affiliate marketing, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, you know I mean, if you if you just if you're just passionate, you just want to talk daily about it, start your own little Facebook lives or, you know, YouTube channels or even on even on Snapchat. People are doing this on Snapchat now, just like talking super passionately about space and then just popping in and, and you know, and after time starting to say, you know, and this is the product I've, I've been talking about today. This is how it works. Here's an affiliate marketing link, right? You are selling hundreds of thousands of dollars by referring people to telescope gear, you know, and I was just like, wow, affiliate is, is a really powerful way of, 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 of not just helping people, but also getting a kickback for yourself. You know, you're helping, you're helping the people that listen because you're edu- helping to educate. You're helping the people that produce the, uh, you know, the telescope equipment and the different superstars, right? Because you're bringing them amazing cu- customers. And then you're also helping yourself because you get a kickback. I mean, it's everybody's winning. I, I think that's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, one more idea um, that I've just started doing over the past month, and that is I have a, a house, a small little cottage here in Central Florida that we Airbnb out. And Airbnb is really emphasizing these things called experiences. So what we offer now for our little cabin <laughs> is that if you rent it, uh, you also have an option of I'll, I'll come out for maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes and give you a star talk, show you the, the constellations up in the sky. Uh, that and is that's amazing. Just a little bit of, that's just a little bit extra money. And, and uh, you know, it's, I'm using what I've already got. And so it's, it doesn't, no extra equipment, nothing. So it, it, that kind of thinking uh, can help you get you underneath the stars and put some money in your pocket at the same time. That is we super should build, cool. We should build an observatory outside that thing, Tony. Give me a reason. I'm trying to get you to get me one. I want one Let's here. We need something on the East Coast. So Let's do it. Yeah, you'll get those two clear nights a year, and we'll use them. <laughs> oh, stop it. Right, I'll tell you now. <laughs> it's not that bad. I'll give you that. In the summertime, it sucks. But then the nights are short in the summer anyway, so who cares? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. <laughs> No, but seriously, that is amazing. You know, here's the thing. I think, and and this is what I realized with myself, is that when you tell yourself you can't do it, you think of every 
like so I can't be successful with astronomy right if you tell yourself that or I need to have to have a real job your brain starts to think about ways to stop you whereas when you start to think that you know yeah maybe I could give this a go then what happens is you and I'm I'm mass I, I love how the subconscious mind works right and we've all done this thing where we've like you know you've been to a party you've been to an event and then next day you're in the shower and you're just thinking I met someone's I met I met a lady, what was her name? Oh God, I can't remember. And then like four hours later, you go, ah, right, it was Adele, right? You weren't thinking about that for four hours, um, but your subconscious mind was. And what happens is when you start to think about, you know, yeah, I could be successful. Yeah, maybe I I could be successful. I will be successful with astronomy. And your brain will just keep on working in the background. And, you know, if you focus on it for enough time, you'll have this like aha moment where you're like, oh, I could do this. That makes so much sense. Um, yeah, but Kat, I mean, come on. You must have been terrified when you left your executive position from oh, the gaming industry to start. Yeah, I was. Right. I, like, it was definitely helped because I, I went to Peru and sat with a lot of shamans and, uh, you know, drank a lot of hypnotic brews and vomited quite intensely, which was. Did the- you just say shaman? Shamans. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel so, like this um, is an entire po- podcast on yeah, its own. Yeah, that sounds right? like we had a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Adventures that was. That. It took a turn. <laughs> this podcast took a turn. You, uh, you, and hypnotic brews. Yeah, that was ayahuasca. Yeah, that was very amazing. It was a really, really life changing moment because it, I saw, at first, I, well, I did five ceremonies. The first one, I was basically like, what the fuck is this? This is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Am I dying? <laughs> like, why Why right. am I even doing this? This is stupid. And then, like, after we do the integration, you'll sit around and you talk about your experiences. And some people that had done it before were talking about these amazing things. And I was like, damn, I missed out. Like, said, like, next time to the second ceremony, I was like, I just want to go deeper and I want to go out to space. And holy moly, I experienced the most life-changing moments where I sat and contemplated the, the fact that we are even alive right now, like, because here's the thing, right? You've got the big bang or maybe not, as they're now thinking it wasn't the beginning, but whatever. Ultimately, though, the most logical explanation was should be that nothing should exist. And yet here we are. Right. Um, or some people believe in God, whatever you want to believe. And that's all good. But the point is, is that the fact that we are even having this conversation is any matter or energy around us is just mind boggling. And I, I literally sat and thought about that. And then it occurred to me that, you know, people don't have a space to talk about this stuff and don't have a space to think about this stuff because they're stuck in their everyday lives. And then it occurred to me that the times when I stop thinking about a bullshit that goes on in my life, um, and the same with everyone is that when they look at the stars When you look at the stars on a clear night and it just strikes you, you stop thinking about like someone cut you up on the road or, you know, you you never look up at the stars and go, did I leave the oven on? You're you're just thinking like, this is beautiful. This is crazy. Look how big this is. This is, we are in this amazing universe. Uh, You stop thinking about just, and I was like, I need to bring that moment I had to everybody. So like, that's what I'm doing or hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like, you know, my, one of the things I'm most passionate about is, is providing perspective. When you look up at the sky to help understand what that, how that fits in with your life. And that's sort of thing that I've been to do for 
all my life, really. So, yeah, I hear that. Boy, you are really a kindred spirit cat. I really love listening to you talk about this stuff. <laughs> well, well, we only have a few minutes left in our podcast, but before we started, uh, Dustin was telling me about a project that you're doing with Gaia Data. Can you tell oh us a little God. bit about that? So excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm excited by a lot, but especially with Bob's face. So, right, basically, um, so obviously, year one, I made this, I did a, an exhibition, right? Year two, I did the painting um, that was sent to SpaceX. Year three, my plan is that I'm going to be building a chandelier, which is, um, I think, uh, eight meters in diameter, with it's 26 foot in diameter. And so massive, and it's going to be a spiral. It's going to be the Milky Way galaxy, but as a chandelier printed in crystal clear um, resin using SLS 3D printers and suspended from thousands of fiber optic cables. Um, and the most cool, the coolest part about it is that it's going to be based on real data collected from the Gaia mission from European Space Agency. We have already started processing it and it looks mad. And we're going to basically crunch all that data. We've got 1.8 billion star positions and brightnesses. We're going to be then putting that into a density map. Um, so we're creating a pint cloud. We're going to be crunching that down into a density map. The, then we're going to use that, to run that through a fractal generator. It sounds quite fancy, but it basically just makes arbitrary shapes um, from fractals using that density data. And then we're going to 3D print it and it is going to be fucking beautiful will this be the uh will the perspective of this be from the outside looking at the milky way or from earth looking up in the night sky oh, what'll be the perspective it's, it's gonna be a spiral galaxy okay so from the outside of the galaxy yeah oh my god that sounds amazing so <laughs> this because... is what i was talking about this is why i just fanboy out every time every time i talk to cat because the projects are so ridiculous, so over the top. I mean, that is, you say 26 feet wide? Yes, because I feel like it needs to be. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. It does need to be. But you think about um, walking in and seeing something like that. It's going to be, I mean. Breathing. It's, yeah. It, how do you even describe it, right? It's, it's going to be something like nothing else in the world. I, I wanted to create, I, I'm actually sitting here, I've got goosebumps all over, like it just sends chills down my spine every time I think about it. And I've seen the early renders of it and I can tell you it looks next level. Um, but I wanted people, my, I want to inspire a million minds to look up to the skies, right? But I recognize that not everybody has access to the stars, especially people that live in cities. You know, you, you can go out at night, but most of the things you see are planets. You're not actually looking at stars. There are very few stars you can see. And I was like, you know, the whole human history, we've been sitting under the stars telling stories of where we've we've come from, right? And we've not, last 50 to 100 years, we've lost it. It's like such a super short space of time. So I'm just like, how can I inspire people as much as possible to, um, you know, to do something cool? Like, so I'm, I'm bringing my next project, I'm going to use the funds basically to build the chandelier and then i'm going to give it away 100 because yeah <laughs> yeah good thinking that uh it sounds like a solid business model <laughs> well i mean i'm going to make my money when people you know yeah no i'm, purchase, I'm teasing you purchase the artwork but I, look, I i believe in i believe in i believe whatever you put out into the universe it comes back to you and i think that 
there are probably establishments that would love to have something like this, but they would never be able to afford or right. even have the vision to create. So I was like, if I just make it, it will end up something really somewhere really cool. I don't even know where it's going. I just know it's going to go somewhere cool. <laughs> oh, I hope it goes somewhere where lots and lots of people can see it. That's that That's would the, be. Yeah. yeah. How about your cabin, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> Come on down. Bring it. It'll be. I'll build a cabin. We'll have we'll 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 have people lined up down the road to go, to come see it for sure. I think yeah. that's an amazing project. You know, part of the part of the uh, the other plan for this year is, you know, we have the observatories that we built for uh, to give away to the public for virtual star parties and those sorts of things. And uh, when Kat visited, uh, when you visited, I guess that was probably six months ago, right? Best day of my when life. Yeah, we we went out to the observatories and uh, taught her how to use the observatories remotely. So you've actually run it one night from Australia. Yes. And um, yeah, so now during the day there, she can log in, take actual data and then paint that. So instead of just going online and finding, you know, pictures, uh, it changes to where it's, I mean, you could send this, you could send your paintings now with the actual photograph that you took. Oh, I'm so excited. You just, I've, I've not been able to do anything recently because I've been still finishing off this last project. So I'm in full peak production, but I just, they are just the fact that I, and thank you so much, Dustin, because the fact that you can create a connection to the stars for me is just, uh, yeah, you have no idea how grateful I am. It's just mind blowing. And, and the two times I've been to the observatories were literally my favorite times I've spent in the U S you know, I, I just, I, I think about it all the time because they're just oh, amazing. It's a blast. Yeah. It's, it's a so blast good. laying, laying out there and, uh, watching the stars go overhead is, is pretty, pretty insane. But I think that, you know, for somebody that's getting the experience of, you know, owning one of your, your paintings anyway, to have that, you know, the actual photograph, photograph. of the, the object is like, it just takes it to a, a new level and super exciting for me to see, you know, just to see that whole process unfold. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. And I'm, I like the fact that you can have like a unique look into, so this is like, because obviously the way that I would process an image is very different to how other people would as well. So it's, it's really like a very unique vision into the universe. Right. I just, Absolutely. I love that. So good. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, we're running a little low, uh, short on time, but so I'd like to close out this podcast if I could with starting with Kat, uh, about what sort of advice would you give people to get started on a, an idea that they might be having? And then I'd like to ask Dustin that, and then I'll follow up with uh, something as well. So uh, what advice would you give somebody who's thinking of, gosh, this, this podcast has been great. I'm jazzed. I want to get started. What should I do? Okay. So number one, highly recommend watching that Ted talk, um, draw your future. Um, it's very, very good. It's a good way to start believing in yourself about where you want to go. Um, number two is start to, you know, maybe do a bit of market research, have a look at what's out there, what isn't out there. Firstly, number three is that you need some sort of system in which people can purchase from you. Now, this might be setting up a Facebook page. It's free. Setting up a store online, getting some sort of e-commerce, something on the go is really important. People can't give you money if you've not got a system. Number three and uh, number four, sorry, is about exposure. 
talk about it, make yourself visible. You know, I mean, we spend a lot of time hiding ourselves because, you know, one time when we were like seven years old, we stood up at school and someone's, you know, and we stumbled and someone made fun of us, right? And we said we'd never speak again, right? But you know what I mean? Like, don't let that dictate your life. So I think being okay with not being great is is primary also. I think that would probably be my fifth tip is that um, you don't have to be the per- you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be amazing because get get this everyone was shit when they started that's actually part of the journey don't necessarily look at people at the be- the end of their journey and think god I'm not as good as those I could never do it myself right so yeah those are my five top tips Dustin uh, yeah so I have a, a business partner here named Jenny that uh, she says this all the time but she says find what gives you a heartbeat and pursue mm. it. And, um, I think that, you know, there, that's such great advice because you, the first thing is you have to know yourself and be honest with yourself. You know, I said this earlier, but I think it's true. People tend to buy their own bullshit and, uh, to create excuses before there's ever really a failure. You know, you accept failure sometimes before there ever is a failure. And I think that's a, that's a huge mistake. I don't think that not everyone is, is built to be an entrepreneur or an artist or whatever it is. But knowing what it is that interests you, like knowing what you do want and not just what you don't want is really the most critical and important step, like finding that heartbeat. And once you have that, surrounding yourself with people that can push you in that direction and that motivate you to want to be there instead of just running in place, like those two things for everyone I know that has been successful in whichever direction they decided to run those two things have always been consistent. They knew where they wanted to go and they surrounded themselves with people that instead of just always saying it can't be done, always just got excited with them. You know, and I think that's, that's critical. Yeah. I, the only thing I could add that these two haven't said is that don't underestimate the power of simple ideas. I mean, the, uh, the things that are may appear obvious to you or I can guarantee you aren't obvious to everyone else. And as Dustin said, you want to look at your skill sets. If you can write, if you can tell a story, if you can, uh, you know, produce or, or, or record something, all of those things are, are important, but prepare to be surprised because as an example, uh, one thing I did as just an idea is I love all these little niche NASA missions, things like the Kepler space telescope or TESS or, uh, you know, these small, these missions that, the general public, believe it or not, does not know that much about. And I started making mission T-shirts for them, put them on Teespring, and they were selling like crazy because they're just they're you can't get them anywhere else. And all I did was I took NASA's logos, NASA, you know, that you can't use the meatball logo that is actually trademarked, but the everything else that they produce is in the public domain. I just put them on a T-shirt and started selling them on Teespring, and that was it. Took me literally half an hour to set up. So. The simple ideas will, will always surprise you and things will happen that you weren't expecting. Uh, things that you thought would make money may not make money, but this other weird thing that you did suddenly is your most popular. So try all kinds of things, especially if you keep it simple. We live in an age now where getting online and distributing your work is, has never been easier. You know, we don't rely on Gutenberg presses to print books anymore. You can just make an ebook. So uh, and online courses, all of this stuff, you know things somebody else doesn't know and help share that with the world. That's my outlook. Mm. So, okay. That was amazing. Well, guys, this has been a great podcast. This has been one of my favorites. I think I'm really kind of jazzed now. <laughs> I want to get yeah. out and start creating things. Yeah. This has been Man, amazing. This is when you talk to Kat, you know, I have to call her every few weeks just to be like, oh, <laughs> 
I need this like this energy, just this boost. I know. I feel energized. Like, wow, I really need to start creating some stuff now. This is great. <laughs> I just I just want to add one final tip for people is just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean you can't do it. Like for many years, I thought, oh, space is someone else's, you know, you're selling this type of thing, someone else's thing. I can't do it. But you, you should totally do it because there's more than enough room for everybody. That's good. I struggle with that every day. It's like there's so many science communicators out there, so many people doing what I'm doing. And I work hard to try to be different. But yeah, it's something I, I struggle with every day is so many people are doing it, but that doesn't mean I can't do it. It's my own voice. No one's doing it like I'm doing it. So that's right. That's right. So that, yeah, that's how you bring value. All right. Well, gosh, what a fun podcast. Thank you so much. Our guest tonight was Kat Machen. Uh, she is in Australia, an artist, an entrepreneur. Uh, and Dustin, I thank you for introducing me to her. This has been a really exciting, exciting podcast. so much podcast. fun. Yeah. So I hope, to, I hope I to follow your work more. I hope to hear more from you. I hope you'll maybe come back and do some more podcasts with us. That'd be awesome. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. I want to wish you all a happy new year. I hope you all have a great 2019. And on behalf of my co-host, Dustin Gibson, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, keep looking up. Space Junk was produced by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California, in partnership with Deep Astronomy. Please send feedback and questions to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.